From Tokyo, Japan, I'm Franklin, and you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and the way they affect our daily lives. Coming up on today's show, Dr. Mayor El Khadi will join us to talk about the science of graphene based batteries. So stay tuned right here for the Grok Science Show. program. Well, one of the holy grails in the field of energy is the development of affordable, scalable, and robust uh, energy storage systems. Uh, throughout the years, scientists have worked on various types of chemistries and materials to make it happen, but we may soon have a breakthrough on the horizon. Uh, well, joining us right now is Dr. El Khadi from the University of California at Los Angeles, and he's going to tell us a little bit about a recent paper from the Proceedings of the National Academies of Sciences on 3D printed technique for energy storage. Uh, Dr. El Khadi, thank you so much for joining us here on this show today. Yeah, sure. It's, it's my pleasure. This sounds like very exciting work. Could you tell us a little bit? Uh, I understand you call these devices supercapacitors. What exactly is a supercapacitor and how is it different from a conventional battery? All right. So uh, a supercapacitor is, is an energy storage device like a battery. It just the only difference is that supercapacitors recharge very quickly. It takes seconds instead of hours. Uh, so that's the, uh, the main difference. And uh, the supercapacitors can also be recharged to like a million times as opposed to only a few thousands or a few hundred cycles for the batteries. The only problem with supercapacitors, though, is that they don't store much charge to run your phone for a long period. So that's the uh, the main uh, difference between a battery and, and a supercapacitor. And right now, when you look at batteries in your electronics or your or your you know EV or say um, storage devices um, for the grid, it seems the current technology revolves around uh, lithium. Um, what exactly uh, are, are say the the you know benefits or the the energy densities that you can get with lithium right now? All right. So lithium lithium ion batteries, you know, they range in energy density depending on the materials that they use, and of course that defines also the price. So so, so their energy densities is between you know in what hours per per kilogram is is somewhere between like 80 to like uh, 200, 250 watt hours per kilogram. So of course, uh, the battery that you use in EVs is going to be, you care more about the price, not, not the energy density that much. And, and the phones use the best and most expensive parts, you know, for making the lithium ion batteries because you, it's, it's just a one small battery. So you really want it to be very good to run your phone for at least like a day or so. So that's the spectrum for lithium ion batteries. But let me just like, you know, uh, say what the problem is and, and then, then move mm-hmm. from there. So you just mentioned EVs, you mentioned phones and all that. So it's we are we're all battery users. So it's like it's like we have some experience with batteries and we know some of their properties of course. And if you ask somebody, you know, what is, you know, that a good battery for you, uh, what what would the what would the properties of a good battery for you? They would they would say, well, I need a battery that is, you know, that is uh, very cheap, 
something that you know that I can use for a very long time, like so many years. You know, something that stores a lot of charge, run my electronics for a long time, or um, drive my car for uh, a long distance without having to stop, you know, over a long distance and recharge for like an hour or two hours, you know. Something that's also very safe, that works in different weather conditions, you know, whether it's cold or very hot, because that's important. And also something that recharge quickly, that's really, really important thing, uh, application. And of course, when you look at all, you know, the batteries that we have around us, it's only some of those attributes are available, you know, in the current energy storage technologies. So what we, what we thought about is, you know, we have that other energy storage technologies, the supercapacitors, and I mentioned supercapacitors, you know, they have some advantages, but one great disadvantage. The advantage is that they recharge quickly, they can be used for many cycles, and, and by cycle here I mean that you charge it one time and then you use it for doing something. So that's the discharge, we call it one cycle. Battery can only be charged and discharged like a, a thousand times. A supercapacitor can be charged and discharged about a million times, so that's really a good advantage for it, and it can recharge in seconds. But the problem was that these store very little energy. We wanted to combine the best attributes of the two technologies, the battery and the supercapacitor on one device, and that we call hybrid supercapacitor. In the hybrid supercapacitor, we have uh, a capacitor-like material or a supercapacitor-like material, and we combine it with a battery-like material. So then we can actually have uh, the properties of the two at the same time. So the supercapacitor-like material, it's something that we're all familiar with. It's we'll probably hear it off. It's, it's a carbon, so we have carbon around us everywhere. It's just a special form of carbon we call graphene, which is a very famous material got the Nobel Prize for 2010 in physics. And the other, the battery material is a material that's very cheap, very inexpensive. It's even cheaper than the materials used in lithium-ion batteries. It's, uh, it's manganese dioxide, which is used in dry cells, you know, alkaline batteries that we use in our, you know, TV remote controls and, and all the small, and the toys and all these. So we combine this material with the graphene, and the graphene does, you know, the part for the supercapacitor the manganese dioxide does the part for, for the battery. So then we ended up having a super, like a device, a new energy storage medium that has the capacity of batteries and the recharge, the quick recharge time of the supercapacitors. So that's very thorough and I, I think it uh, puts us in proper context here. Um, so you mentioned uh, you're using a type of carbon called graphene. Is that the same graphene that is found in, say, pencil lead? Exactly. So, so pencil lead is made mainly of, you know, graphite. And of course, to make it, you know, malleable, they just mix it with, uh, with mud. So the main component is graphite in there. It's natural graphite. And that natural graphite is just, you know, it's made up of millions of graphene sheets. And that's only one, it's like a layer of carbon that's only one atom thick. So it's very, very thin. And that's the reason. The reason why we, we can actually, you can just put some lead on the paper is because it's layered material. And these graphene sheets are sticking to each other, but they are not very strong. So if you just like try to draw something, you will just, you know, you will have graphene sheets like laying on, on the piece of paper. It's not just a single sheet that you have on the paper. It's going to be hundreds of thousands of sheets. But what we do is that we make the graphene, the material that we make, we make it from graphite, just exactly the same material that's in your pencil, lead. And we make it by just a chemical method. So we take the graphite that's mined, you know, from the nature, we take it, and then we treat it chemically, so then we make them into individual sheets. And these individual sheets are graphene sheets. 
And then we take that and we process it into electrodes, which is a component of the supercapacitors. Like batteries, you also have like a positive electrode, we call it, and the negative electrodes. It's like two sides. We take that graphene sheets, individual graphene sheets, we process it into electrodes, and then we load to that, we load the battery-like material, which is the manganese dioxide. And it's also a material that exists in nature. And, and you mentioned in this paper that, you know, one of the, the beauties of this method is that y you can use something like a DVD writer to literally write this battery. Uh, could you explain the process? Sure. Yeah, it's a very interesting process. So what we did, because we wanted something very simple, even students at home, you know, or students at school, they can do that. It's very easy. So what we do is to make the graphene electrode, I mentioned that we make it from graphite, but there is something in the middle and that we call a material we call graphite oxide. What is graphite oxide or graphene oxide? So when you start from graphite, in order to make them into individual sheets, you know, the first method that was used for making the graphene from graphite was just using a scotch tape and then peeling off the graphene layers down into the single layer. Of course, this process looks promising, but you know, you can only make very small amount of graphene. So we use chemicals to just intercalate, to go between the layers of the graphite and then pull them apart. So then you end up with having these individual sheets, but there is going to be a lot of sheets depending on how much chemicals you use. But you end up with sheets that we call you know, graphene, but has some oxygen groups on them. So they get functionalities, you know, something that makes them hydrophilic and that makes them dispersible also in water. So now this graphene oxide, your, your part right now is to deoxygenate these graphene sheets uh, from the oxygen, just take it off. So the way we do this is that we get this graphene oxide dispersion in water and then we take that and then we coat it into a DVD desk. And, and then we basically put it into a, a light scrap DVD burner. And then from the computer, we tell the computer to write a pattern there. Or you can just make it like a picture. So what, what happens is that the computer uses a laser to write data by light scribing. So that laser, we found out that the laser can actually treat the graphene oxide and convert it into graphene. So now you go back to the conductive state of, of graphene. So that's, that's why we use the DVD burner. It's very simple. So you have the dispersions in water, you code them onto the DVD, put it in the computer, make any pattern you want. So graphene oxide is just brown in color and graphene is black in color. So when you have a lot of sheets of graphene, it's black. When you just focus the laser beam on the DVD desk, it will just turn the place that you want into black in color. That's indication of the formation of graphene there. And that you can use directly as an electrode for, uh, for the supercapacitor. It seems from um, what you've described, uh, the implication is that you can shape these batteries into any shape you want. Is that right? That's true. So we make them, you know, we can just, uh, you know, from the computer, the picture that you print, you can just darken everything on the CD. So then it turns every every single piece of graphite oxide or graphene oxide, turns it into graphene. So you get these like big sheet of graphene, then you cut it into the desired shape using just a scissor and then put it into the supercapacitor. But there is also a different form like that, that you have not, you've never seen in the market. It's like the, the form of the supercapacitors or the batteries that are planar. So you have both the positive electrode and the negative electrode. They are placed side by side like interwoven fingers. But at the same time, they are separated because if you make them touch each other, that's a short circuit. So you mm -hmm. don't want the positive and the negative to touch each other. So you just keep a layer of graphite oxide between them, which is insulating material, and that's what keeps them separated. And then you have a graphene on one side of any shape and graphene on the other side of any shape that you want. 
anything that you can just make with a computer software, that's the image you make, any, you know, any, any shape that you make, and then you can print directly on graphite oxide, and that's going to be converted into graphene. So you can actually print your, your picture on the DVD, so you can actually see yourself, you know, write, or you can write your name in graphene, you know. It's like kind of fun, so you can not only use it for making specific, but you can also make it using it for making, you know, for making tags, you know, for making any kind of labels. I, I even used it for making, you know, my, my business cards. It's it's a very interesting process. And how, how flexible is this material? Can you... Use- for example, wove it into uh, clothes? Okay, that's a good question. Yes, you can do that. So the process for the laser here, you can just make it in the DVD burner, but you can also use external laser if you like. So we can just coat our material onto into uh, onto a textile, you know, whatever kind of like clothes that is. And then you focus the laser beam on that and we'll convert it into graphene. So you can actually have graphene on your cloth. So it's like it's like t-shirt that's powered by, by graphene Supercapacitors. You know, reading um, your synopsis here, I understand that the, this discovery was actually made uh, serendipitously. What was the original uh, in- intention of this research? We were actually working on processes for making, you know, graphene for over 10 years, so mm-hmm. I would say. And, you know, it was our knowledge of the area actually um, kind of like, uh, kind of like, you know, like built like over these, like this long period. And, and originally what we thought about about this process, that we thought about a method for making graphene first, because when graphene was discovered, and then, you know, the first method, as I mentioned, just using a scotch tape, that process was kind of like interesting, but the thing is you just make one single sheet of graphene after trying for like, for like a day or, or a few days. So that's, that's a lot, but you need a lot of sheets. So chemists started thinking, thinking about different alternative methods for making graphene. And, and, and this was like a one, that's, that, was our, that was our intention at the beginning of that project. But once we made the material, we started taking this material and putting it under the microscopes and saw the structures. The structures kind of interesting because they actually they were three-dimensional. They're not two-dimensional. Like, so the graphene is a two-dimensional sheet. But what we found out is that we found that the graphene sheets, these, these two-dimensional sheets, kind of like they were interwoven together. So then they made a three-dimensional network. And me, as an electrochemist, or I studied electrochemistry well, I was like, well, that, that structure seems to be perfect for supercapacitors and for batteries. So that's how it happened. I was like, well, let's, let's try use it for supercapacitors. We tried it, and the results were outstanding. So yes, the, the, the beginning of the project, we had a different target than what it ended to be like. But it's just in the middle. When you study the properties of the material, you may end up having something different. And where do you go from here? You know, what are the challenges that you're trying to, to overcome now? It's, it's like it's like a, a step-by-step process. So when we started that project, it was like 2011, and then we made the graphene and we used it. it you know, it was, it was a super fast, it was fast, you know, recharging, but it had better storage capacity compared to commercial supercapacitors, but we wanted to push the capacitance further, their capacity further. So we wanted to increase that. And what we've been doing for the last two years or so, we thought about, you know, introducing this battery-like material into the graphene and then having the best attributes of the battery and the supercapacitor at the same time. Uh, that's what we did. And of course, we have a lot of next steps to do. So now we have, we have a hybrid supercapacitor that's, you know, storing as much charge as a lead-acid battery, and it recharges very quickly. And the, the next question that comes to mind is, can you, you know, make a hybrid supercapacitor that stores as much charge as the lithium-ion battery, for example, 
So then it can be it can be considered as an as an alternative to lithium ion batteries in phones. Well, that's a question that we are thinking about. There is also a possibility of you know like scaling this up. So how do you make it larger in size and make it you know in a process such that it's it can be reduced like instead of just making a few cells in a day, you want to make thousands or even millions of cells in a day. So. So we we have plans to do that. During the development of this device, what biggest surprise you came across? That's a that's a good question. Well, the first surprise that we had is just you know, the uh, when we looked into the structure of the material, we found that it's almost ideal for for making very good supercapacitors. And I think the uh, the second one is you know our ability to you know build these uh, smaller versions of the. Of these hybrid supercapacitors, these versions are pretty much like, um, like a like a smaller versions of uh, you know it's like it's like a very thin, ultra thin hybrid supercapacitor. We call them micro supercapacitors. These are almost like one fifth the th- the sheet of a uh, of a uh, of a paper. And we found out that they store to us as much charge as a as a lithium film film micro battery, which is now used for. Lots of applications that are that are that they just need a small power, but for a long period of time, and in a very small size. So you don't use the large lithium-ion batteries. You use something like the thickness of a paper or two papers on top of each other. So we found out that we can actually make it very thin, and it stores it stores more than twice as much charge as a lithium micro micro battery. Well, I'm just curious here. Has there been public demonstrations or commercializations of uh, carbon-based batteries yet? Well, well. When we say carbon here, if you mean graphene, then the answer is no, not yet. Uh-huh. Uh, it's still in the R and D for for most people. We're just doing uh, research and development to just uh, get this to um, you know to a larger scale at the lowest cost possible. So uh, that's uh, that that we are working on, and other groups are also working on. So recently, there's been some news about uh, aluminum-based batteries. Do you think that that type of material holds promise? So for sure, uh, it's a new, it's a good and new chemistry there. Well, the idea of a, of an aluminum ion battery existed for a while, but they just uh, happened to have developed, you know, the materials that can be good for, you know, for a high power, quick recharging. Uh, aluminum ion battery at the moment still the, the energy density is still very low because they use a material that's very low density and that means it takes up a lot of electrolyte and, and making a battery out of it means that most of it is going to be electrolyte that's not adding any charge storage at all it's just there with the, the active material that stores the charge so basically you know the, the initial results are promising for sure they just need to do a lot of improvements on the charge source capacity and and um, you know the, the the cost of of making them because some of the materials are still expensive to make. Speaking of carbon, what about something like diamond or say black carbon? Well, black carbon or carbon black, it's just a uh, it's just a conductive material that we use, and it's used right now in batteries, but not for storing charge at all. It's just more like a conductive material to uh, to make the whole electrode conductive. So you have your material like a powder that doesn't have much high, much doesn't have high electronic conductivity. So you just mix that with carbon black to help it conduct electricity well and collect the charge all the way to the current collector and from the current collector to the external circuits. So it's already in use. Diamonds are still expensive, and, and making them <laughs> are are not the best thing. But but um, you have to convert them 
you know, diamond as diamond does not conduct electricity, doesn't mean that that, that materials for storing charge it has to conduct electricity at some point, right? At some to some extent, and right. their structure should be compatible with the chemistry. So for lithium-ion batteries, you're doing intercalations. You need layered materials, and and uh, and diamond is not a layered material. You cannot use it as is for. Uh, making uh, batteries. I guess we are running a little bit out of time here. Um, are there any words you'd like to add about this work or your interest in science? Well, you know, I'm, I'm very excited about all the uh, progress in, in, in the field of energy storage, whether that's supercapacitors or batteries. At the end of the day, what I'm, I really want to see it in the near future, I want to see what the battery, the dream battery, you know, or it's it's more like a it's more like in search. We're doing a research here in search of the perfect battery that can be very cheap. You know that help us. You know have run our phones for like a week or so if that's possible, and recharge it very quickly, um, minutes or less, and be very safe. So uh, th- that's a dream for, for for all of us that we're working on, and that's what drives our research so far. I think the 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 future looks promising based on what we have at the moment and we are working on solving these problems you know chemistry you know there's a lot of you know we can do a lot of things even we call chemistry is like the central science because you know fundamental understanding of you know the properties of materials is really important to uh to learn how to exploit their properties to make something useful whether that's for you know mechanical engineers you know and engineers and making materials you know for us like bridges you know steel and and chemists like making new chemicals just to help having like like pigments for our cloth having like plastics you know or of all sorts you know that is now making all of our electronics like like laptops or whatever phones they, they all have plastic components and use them everywhere and batteries of course been um, studying electrochemistry for a while and one of the most beautiful applications of electrochemistry is the uh, is the battery or coming up, you know, understanding the chemistry of batteries and and coming up with new uh, new chemistries, you know, to uh, to be able to solve some of the world's you know energy storage problems. Put it this way. Excellent. It's certainly very exciting news. I just want to thank you again for taking your time to talk with the Grok Science Show. It's my pleasure. All right, and we were just talking to Dr. Mayer El Cadi uh, from the University of California at Los Angeles, and we're talking about the development of graphene-based batteries. Uh, thank you so much again. Sure. Dr. El work was recently published in the Proceedings of the National Academies of Sciences, and that's all for this week's edition of the Rock Science Show. Make sure you tune in again next week for more from the world of science, technology, and the way it affects our daily lives. In the meantime, you can check us on the web at www.grox.net, on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at science at grox.net. For Grox Science, I'm Frank Ling. Stay tuned for more music.